Take your Bibles this morning, turn over to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 5. 2 Kings, chapter number 5. Make sure you young people don't forget. Now, next week, can I get some volume in these monitors, please? Uh, next week is our youth conference. We're going to have some special preachers coming in next week. And uh, Dr. Tharp, Eric Tharp, will be preaching next Wednesday night. And then he's going to preach chapel on Thursday morning. And then we're going to have chapel again on Friday morning. So y'all get two chapels in a row next week. It's going to be great. And then on Friday night uh, and Saturday morning is youth conference, okay? And um, Pastor Shiflett does youth conference a little bit different from a lot of pastors. If you feel young, you can come. All you teachers that, that uh, say you're 18 years old every year when you have a birthday, expect you to be here. Uh, but no, the, the preaching will be great. And so I invite everybody to be here, be a part of the services we will have teen activities after the service on Friday night, but the services are for everybody. So I hope you'll come. I hope you'll plan on being here. This morning in 2 Kings chapter number 5, I preached from this chapter um, last Sunday, I believe it was. I preached uh, during our missions conference. I preached a message last Sunday out of this story. Any of you kids remember the name of the message that I preached last Sunday morning? Last Sunday morning. I'll give you a hint. I preached about Naaman, story about Naaman. I see a hand. I see another. I see an elbow. Are you scratching your back? What are you doing? Uh, I see another couple of hands that's coming back to you. Coming back to you. Bobby, what was it? Tale of two servants. Very good. And we looked at the two servants in the story. One's the little maid in verse 3, verse 2 and 3. And then we looked at the servant of Elisha, the man of God, in verse 20. His name was Gehazi. How would you like your name to be Gehazi? That's a, long, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? Pass the, please pass the ketchup, Gehazi. Can you see that at lunch? But we have a different message this morning out of this story. I have just been enjoying meditating and studying this chapter, and there was really just about too much in there to preach in one message. In fact, after the service Sunday, I still kept, God still kept showing me uh, truths and little nuggets from this story and I uh, went up to Brother a Leader's office. I think it might have been the Monday after missions conference. And I said, and look at this. And God showed me this. And look at this. And I saw this. And there's so much in there. But this morning, I want to completely change gears and preach about this little maid in this story. Look at verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, but he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Lord gave me a message this morning, I can't wait to share it with you, entitled, No Excuses. No Excuses. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now, as we turn our hearts and our minds to the Word of God, 
Thank you for the singing, for the songs, the fun songs and the hymns and the special. And now I pray that you'd help us to turn our hearts to the Word of God and allow you to speak to us today. Lord, as Brother Caleb said a few moments ago, this could be the service, this could be the chapel message that you use to fundamentally transform somebody's life. So have you been away in the service, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as I said last Sunday morning, I preached. Some of you may have been in junior church. Some of you uh, younger ones may have been in uh, the Bible classes. And, so, and some of you may not have been here. So you didn't hear even the message I preached last week. But this message is completely different except for the fact that the, 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 the story is that of a, a very distinguished and well-known captain that was a captain of the host of the Syrians who were enemies of Israel. They invaded Israel and they took this little girl captive and uh, made her a slave, a servant to Naaman's wife. Now this little girl is, uh, is an amazing example of some things that this morning that I believe we can learn she was kidnapped from her family. She was taken to a foreign country. She was forced to be a servant and a slave to the wife of the man that kidnapped her and captured her. But in this story, she demonstrates some amazing attributes. And uh, this tells me, as I was reading and studying this, this tells me that if this little girl can do amazing things in her circumstances and her situation, then the young people that we have in the service this morning have no excuse for God to not do something amazing with them. By the way, kids are the best in the world at coming up with excuses. I actually compiled a top 10 list of excuses for why young people didn't do their homework. Number one, Excuse number one, our family got a new paper shredder and I had to make sure it was working. How's that one? Number two, I made my homework into a paper airplane and it got hijacked. Number three, I did my homework in my head and now I can't find it. Number four, I couldn't do my homework because I was at a rally last night for giving all the teachers a raise. Number five, my pencil ran out of batteries. Number six, my mom did it wrong, so I threw it out the window on the way to school. Number seven, my brother put my homework on eBay, but unfortunately, I wasn't the highest bidder. Number eight, my cat ate my homework, then my science project ate my cat. Number nine, my calculator is solar, and unfortunately, it was dark last night. And number 10, I didn't do my homework because I didn't want to add to your already heavy workload, teacher. How's that? Tell me kids can't be creative in coming up with excuses for why they didn't do their homework. But guess what? That's not the only thing young people come up with excuses for. Homework. Why didn't you make up your bed? Why didn't you do your chores? Boy, they get creative when it comes to excuses. Well, guess what? This little maid in this story right here shatters our excuses when it comes to four things that I want you to write down this morning if you're taking notes. Number one, we have no excuse 
to disrespect the people that are in authority. Notice this little maid in verse number three. She said to her mistress, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria. That was a term of respect. That was a term of reverence. In fact, the Bible talked about Abraham and Sarah and said that Sarah reverenced her husband by calling him Lord. It was a term that was used to show submission to authority. And here, according to verse number two, the Syrians had gone out and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. They literally went and invaded this little girl's hometown. They broke into her house. They kidnapped her, wrapped her up with ropes, threw her in the back of a, a wagon or threw her on the back of a horse and took her back to Syria, screaming and kicking, stole her away from her parents and they forced her to be a servant and a slave to the wife of that man. And here in this story, this little girl finds the wherewithal to refer to him as my Lord. Now what am I saying? Well, first of all, I'm not saying that if you get kidnapped after school today and thrown in the trunk of a car and wrapped up with duct tape that you have to be respectful to those people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if there's somebody in your life that is trying to hurt you or abuse you or, or, or molest you or do something terrible to you, that's not what I'm talking about, respecting them and covering up for them. That is not what I'm saying at all. In fact, you've heard me preach many times. You know Pastor Shiflett believes the opposite. I've been on the phone this week for hours with people. I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating, hours. I've been on the phone with people this week getting counsel uh, about little girls, 11, 12, 13-year-old girls that were forced to do horrible, horrible things and they didn't tell their parents and they didn't tell their pastor and they had to carry that for years and years and years. That is a horrible thing. That is not what I'm preaching about today. But I'm talking about we have no excuse to disrespect the people that God has put in our life in a position of authority. I'm talking about your parents. I'm talking about your teachers and, and your pastor and those people that are trying to help you and trying to be a blessing to you. This little girl had the wherewithal to call her kidnapper, my Lord. Well, if she could do that, I think maybe you could be respectful to your parents. Can I get a witness? I think if this little girl uh, could call the man that had stolen her from her home and from her country and from her house and forced her to be a slave, if she could be respectful to him, maybe young people today could be respectful to their parents and to their teacher. You can tell a lot about a child by how they treat those that are in authority. You can tell a lot about a young person by how they respond to people that are in a position of leadership in their life. Disrespecting your parents, disrespecting your teacher, being disrespectful to those uh, uh, police officers. Man, it's a, it's a thing now where people are disrespecting police officers. Man, I cannot imagine when I was a kid disrespecting a police officer. I cannot imagine it. 
I cannot imagine a police officer walking up to me if I'm speeding and pulling me over and saying, sir, can I please see your registration and driver's license? And me start cussing and screaming at this police officer and start videoing him and start being nasty to him and ugly to him. I cannot imagine that. That's the furthest thing from my mind. And these videos that I see of these kids up in New York City that are dumping buckets of water on police officers and throwing bottles at them and throwing rocks at them, that boggles my mind that somebody could do that. We have several police officers in our church. We've got, uh, we've got, we've got one here today working security for us. But we've got several police officers in our church. And, and a couple of years ago, Brother, uh, brother Stan Lynch who is a, a member of our church and uh, works in security, uh, been a police officer, he's a detective down in Baltimore, been down there for years and years, and back when we had all these riots down in Baltimore, they were standing out there and they had their, their, their body armor on, had their helmets on, had their shields, and they were standing out there in the street and somebody threw a brick and hit Brother Stan in the shoulder and he had to do light duty for several weeks. He was injured because of people throwing bricks at police officers. I can't understand that. I can't understand a young person that would sass back their parents and talk back disrespectful to their mom and to their dad. I'm telling you this morning, you have no excuse. If this little girl could be respectful to the authority that was in her life and she didn't want to be there, she didn't ask to be there, she was, they had no right to do what they did to her, yet she found it in her heart to be respectful of him. How much more should you and I be respectful of the authorities that are in our life? Well, I don't agree with them. Well, how, you agreeing with them is irrelevant. There's no call for disrespect. One of the things that I preach on and talk about a lot is trying to help you as an adult. If you don't learn how to respect authority, you're going to have a rough life. When you go and you get a job and you fill out an application and they hire you, your boss is your authority. And if you run your mouth and you're disrespectful and you say sarcastic, rude comments to your boss, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you're not going to work there very long. You won't get a raise. You won't get promoted. You won't be respected. You're going to find yourself in the unemployment line about every two weeks if you don't learn how to respect your authority. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 11 says, There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. A generation that curseth their father. Boy, I can't imagine cursing my dad. There was a couple times in my life when I was disrespectful to my dad, and I guarantee you he fixed that real quick. I remember one time, I may have told this story, I remember one time when I was about uh, 18 or 19 years old, I was working on my car, I was helping my dad, we were working on the car, and I said something smart to my dad, and my daddy put his hand in my chest and just pushed me down. I fell down on my behind in the driveway. And I was sitting there looking up at him. He said, I'm your daddy. You don't talk to me like that. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. I never forgot that. I'd have rather him spank me than done that to me. It embarrassed me. But it reminded me that I didn't have the right to talk to my dad that way. Watch your tone of voice when you're talking to your parents. He said, well, my parents don't mind if I cuss them. It's wrong whether they like it, whether they permit it or not. In fact, I was reading this morning just to give y'all an insight, okay? We talk about God being merciful and long-suffering and patient, and he's a God of love and forgiveness. Let me give you something right here to chew on. Deuteronomy 21, this is what God told Moses to do in the Old Testament to young people that were rebellious. Are you ready? 
put your seat belts on and thank God we're not living in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 21, verse number 18, if a man have a stubborn and rebellious son which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and when they have chastened him, he will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of his city and unto the gates of this place, and they shall say to the elders of this city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious and he will not obey our voice and the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put away from among you and all Israel shall hear and fear. Imagine your parents grabbing you by the collar, dragging you out of the house down the street to the elders of the gate and say, my son won't listen to what I'm saying, disrespects me, disrespects his mama, and the elders say, well, here, we can fix that and take him outside the city and stone him with stones until he's dead. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of glad we don't operate like that today. The point I'm trying to make is that is how serious God was about honoring and respecting those in authority. And if this little girl, this little maid, could respect and reverence this man that was mistreating her and had done this to her, then you and I have no excuse not to respect the people that are in authority in our life. I should be getting a few amens from this middle section. Y'all looking at me like I'm making this up. Number two, we have no excuse to disregard the pain that is abundant around us. This little girl, I think we could all admit, she's got a lot of problems. Could you imagine what your life, some of you young people, you think, oh, I've got the worst life. It's just the worst. My life is just the worst. I hate my life. I hate my life. I hate my life. Could you imagine if an enemy army invaded your house, kicked the door in, grabbed you out of bed, wrapped you up with ropes and duct tape, took you to a foreign country, another language, another culture, another way of doing things, and said, here, you gotta sweep and mop the floor, you gotta iron her clothes, you gotta, you gotta do this and you gotta do that. You've got no parents, no friends, no family, nobody around, you don't know anybody, you're living in a strange place, being forced to serve somebody you don't even know and somebody you don't even like, and yet this girl in that state was able to discern the needs of those around her and she didn't think only about herself, but she thought about the needs of others. Look at it. She saw the pain in Naaman's face when he found out in verse number one that he was a leper. You and I cannot imagine something as awful as leprosy. We live in the last year with everybody talking about COVID and coronavirus and pandemic and all of this. I'm gonna tell you something, leprosy is 100 times worse than coronavirus. Okay, coronavirus, if you get it, uh, you're sick for a few days, sick for a few weeks maybe, 99.8% survival rate. 
Worst thing that happens is you're in the bed with, a, with flu-like symptoms and you can't taste and smell. And I don't know how good your mom cooks. That could be a blessing in disguise. I don't know. Worst case scenario is you miss school for 14 days because you're in quarantine. Woohoo! Leprosy, 100% fatal, 100% of the time. You didn't get leprosy in quarantine for 14 days and come back. If you got leprosy, you were pushed out to the outskirts of town living in a leper colony and slowly your body would begin to rot and your ears would fall off and your fingers would fall off and your toes would fall off and your nose would fall off and you had to wrap up with rags and say, unclean, 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 anytime anybody got close to you and you stayed out there till you rotted to death. 100% of the time, no cure. Here's a man that's a captain of the army. This man's a valiant man. He's an honorable man. He's a well-known and well-respected man, a great prestige, great position. Finds out he's a leper. His life is over. He's got to move out of the house. He can't live with his wife and his children. He's got to live out on the outskirts of town. This man's life has taken a serious turn for the worse. And what does this little girl do? You're getting just what you deserve. I hope you die a long, slow, painful death, you mean kidnapper, you. Is that what she said? No. I hope you rot. I hope you have all kinds of pain and anguish. I hope you can't sleep at night. I'm so glad that you're out there living in the woods in a tent. Is that what she said? No. She saw his hurt, she saw his pain, she saw his anguish, and her heart was moved, and she says in verse number three, oh, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. I cannot imagine this kind of selfless compassion. I can't imagine it. This little girl's got something I don't even think that down deep in my heart I've got. I say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that when it comes to seeing the needs and the hurting and the pain of people around us, if this little girl can do that, we have no excuses. No excuse. It's so easy sometimes for us to come to school, come to church, and our mind is so tunnel visioned on our problems. And everybody in here has got problems. Everybody in here, in here has got issues. Everybody in here has things that they would like to see changed in their life, circumstances that they don't like, different problems. We could all sit down and write them on a piece of paper. These are my problems. This is all the things in my life right now that I don't like that I'm having to deal with. But at the end of the day, we need to be able to take our eyes off of ourselves and look at people around us, all around us that are hurting. And trust me, many of them, their situation's far worse. Far worse. Do you even notice when people around you are hurting? When you're talking to people and you can see it in their face, something's not right. Do you have enough concern and compassion to go to them and say, are you okay? Is there anything I can do to help you? Or are you so self-centered and self-absorbed that people around you are hurting and you don't even notice? We have no excuse to disregard the pain that is abundant around us. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Do you offer to help? Do you have a compassionate heart, a caring heart? Do you care? This little girl did, and if she did, 
then we have no excuse. Number three, write this down. We have no excuse to doubt the power of God that is available. I'm going to tell you something. This little girl had no doubt that God could heal Naaman. And I elaborated on this a little bit Sunday morning, but some of y'all weren't here. But this little girl says in verse number three, Would to God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And yet this girl had never one time ever seen anybody healed of leprosy. She had never seen anybody healed of leprosy. She had never heard of anybody being healed of leprosy. And this prophet that she's talking about, Elisha, the Bible tells us in the Gospels that he had never healed anybody of leprosy, not one time. I still can't get over this girl's being so dogmatic and so confident. If Naaman could just get to Elisha, Elisha would recover him. But Jesus told us in Luke 4 that there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. This girl had a confidence that God was able to do something that she had never seen or heard of him doing. That's amazing to me. We experience miracles almost on a daily basis. I mean, we see God do things that absolutely are mind-boggling. And yet we still doubt him. We still say he can't intervene in this situation. He can't fix this. But pastor, you don't understand. You just don't know all the story. I'm telling you right now, God can do anything. God has the power to do anything. And if this little girl could have confidence and faith in God's power, we don't have an excuse to doubt God. We don't have an excuse. It's amazing. This girl's example is amazing to me, and we don't even know her name. God didn't even see fit to give us this girl's name. And yet, what an amazing person she was. Why do we doubt God's power that's been transforming lives for thousands of years? Why do we doubt a God that spoke this entire world into existence? in just six days. What an amazing God we serve, and yet many times we say, but God can't fix this. God can't help this. God can't do this. God can do anything. Number four, I want you to write this down. We have no excuse to dismiss the potential that is attainable in our life. Here's a little girl that nobody knows. Her name's not given. She only made one, as far as we can tell, she only made one statement. She didn't have a long meeting. She didn't, she didn't write an essay or a report. She didn't do an investigative reporting segment on the power of the prophet of the man of God. And, and, and I didn't, she, didn't, she, didn't, no, no, she didn't do none of that. She made one statement, which we would call a testimony. It was, she was being a witness. Oh, would to God that my master, my Lord, were with the prophet and he would recover him. She made one statement and yet her actions changed Naaman's life. Her statement changed his family. Her statement, her actions changed the army of Syria. They now have their captain back. They've got their leader back. Her statement, her life changed the nation of Syria. Her statement, her life got the attention in verse number five of the king of Syria and in verse number six, it got the attention of the king of Israel. 
Are y'all following this story? This little insignificant maid made one statement, changed a man, changed a family, changed a nation, changed the world. The ripple effect of that little maid, if you read verse 27, actually impacted forever. That story ends with the word forever. This little girl's life, her testimony, her witness had an eternal impact. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that if, if this little girl in slavery, in bondage, with no parents around, no pastor around, no church around, no youth group around, could change the world, so can you. You have no excuse. None of us have an excuse to say, I can't do anything significant for God. Yes, you can. You better believe you can. This little girl changed her world. That little lad that brought the five loaves and two fishes to Jesus changed the world. We're still talking about it today. Five loaves and two fishes, a packed lunch, a sack lunch. He gave Jesus his lunch. Jesus fed 5,000 plus people with it. Now the disciples, you know, a bunch of ignorant staff members, what are they among so many? Oh, this little boy, this, is, this little boy's bringing this lunch. This is, this is silly. This is dumb. Jesus said, give it here. Give it to me. And that little boy, giving his lunch to Jesus, fed 5,000-something people. We had missionaries last week, and man, we had to feed all those missionaries and all their kids ordering in food and having food and having meals. and Man, we were trying to make sure we had enough. Could you imagine, Miss Emily, if I'd have said, I need you to figure out how we're going to feed 5,000 people. And you said, Preacher, what am I going to do? And I was like, well, here, here's, a, here, 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 here's uh, five Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Actually, there's only five loaves of bread, only two pieces of, of, of fish chicken. Here, make it work, Miss Emily. Figure it out. Could you imagine the look on her face? I'm not going to be 5,000 people with this. See, that little boy didn't worry about what God was going to do with it. He just did what he could. This little girl had no idea how this story would end. But God used her. And here's what I'm trying to say to you this morning. The potential some of y'all do not understand the potential. Some of y'all don't understand that you're not always going to be the age you are right now. Y'all don't, don't think like that. Young people, for the most part, are living in the moment. What's today? Today's Thursday. Okay, right now, Thursday, today is the main thing in your whole life is today. Tomorrow is Friday. Woohoo! TGIF. Friday. You think, you think small. You think small. You think, you think now. You don't think about the potential of what God can do with your life. One day, one day, and it'll be, like, it'll be here like that. One day, you're going to be sitting on that pew with your kids sitting beside you. I know it's hard to get your head wrapped around that. I remember when I was your age. I remember sitting on the pew when I was your age. 
I remember what I was doing when I was your age. Zane, you're nine years old. I remember when I was nine. I remember where we lived and what I was doing. We lived in Greenville, South Carolina, 504 Grove Road. I remember my bedroom. I remember the knickknacks on the shelf. I remember that orange bicycle I used to ride. I remember the yard I used to play in. I remember the basketball goal in my yard when I was nine. I remember all that. I remember things that happened when I was nine that had stuck in my mind, like the time my daddy was grilling hamburger patties for all of our company, and he dropped the pan on the patio, and all the patties fell on the ground, and we swore each other to secrecy. We picked them up, put them back on the pan, and took them in and ate them. I remember that. He said, shh, don't say nothing. Don't ever tell a soul. And I said, I won't. And here I am this morning not telling anybody that my daddy dropped a pan full of hamburger patties on the porch. And we just scooped them up, three-second rule, put them back on the pan. And everybody's like, boy, these are the greatest hamburgers ever. Yeah, that dirt really took it over to, the, over to another level. I was nine years old when that happened. I remember... And now I'm 48. That was almost 40 years ago. And it seems like it was just the other day. Seems like just the other day that Brother Nathan was saying to me, can I, can I talk to Marissa? Is it okay if I talk to Marissa? I'm interested in your daughter. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And now fast forward, they're married and going to have a baby in about nine weeks. Am I right? Of course I'm right. I'm keeping up with it. <laughs> I cannot believe how fast time goes. And y'all are sitting here, and sometimes you sit in school, and all you can think about is that day, that homework assignment, that class. You get so tunnel vision, not realizing that one of these days, five years from now, ten years from now, God, but God could change you, use you to change the world right now. You don't have, you have no way of knowing. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm just saying, if she can do it in her circumstances, we don't have an excuse.